Hey Z. Z? What's up? You okay? Oh, oh, sorry. Um, I was just observing a moment of silence for all the torch companies that went out of business ever since our phones all came with built-in torches. Oh, do you want to talk about it? Nah. Acceptable company. Hey, everybody. Hello. Welcome to another episode. We're happy to have you here. All right, uh, let's get into it. Let's. So, exciting news. Ooh. Uh... COVID has been a tough time for everybody, but it's, there's a few little silver linings for me. Um, a little bit of luck. I managed to find a job not once, but twice during COVID. Nice. And the most recent one finally has been the next step onto my, my proper career path. I've once again got a job at a zoo doing um, similar things to what I was doing at my last job at a zoo. But still, it's something that I've been quite upset about losing that job and, and what my next step is going to be. And, and finally, I feel like things are, are coming together again. I'm so happy for you. Congratulations. And I knew this was coming. Like, I just knew it was going to work out for you, you know, so I'm glad it did sooner rather than later. Absolutely. And, and thank you. Um, very exciting. In light of this event, um, I just want to talk to you about starting a new job. Because mm. you and I have both had quite a few jobs in our time. Mm -hmm. And it's always an interesting scenario, you know, saying goodbye to an old job, old colleagues, an old situation that you're comfortable with, mm. to move into a new situation, which may be a risk. You're, you're meeting new people, you're in a new environment, you may have to travel some more. There's a lot to consider in starting a job. And, and I, I would argue that part of the reason that a lot of people don't look for jobs or don't leave older jobs that perhaps they're not quite happy with is because they are, are, are scared to make that change. Change, yeah, afraid of change. I think that, that often is the case. So how do you feel about new jobs? Are they generally an exciting thing for you? Are they, uh, are they scary? <laughs> no, exciting. I think the only scary thing would be like meeting their expectations of you. Mm. But I like meeting new people and I feel competent. Like I feel like I would be able to step up to various challenges. So it's, it, it is more exciting for me. You've got faith in, in your own work ethic. Right? Mm, I think I'd work it out, you know? I, I think I'm pretty good at get, putting myself out there and, and experiencing new things, but I still seem to struggle with change. What about it? I think just I'm a person of creature comforts mm. and I get comfortable in, in my routine and what I'm doing. Um, for example, I was at Bunnings for almost 10 years. Wow. During and after a uni degree involving animals. And I always knew I wanted to get into a zoo. Um, but I was still at Bunnings for many, many years before I made that, that step to mm. finally break into the, the industry. And part of that was because I was comfortable. And it was what I knew and it was what I was doing. And I was being acknowledged and I was being promoted. And, and for a time, it seemed like that was the only career path for me. It was the only thing that was working for me. I felt like I was treading water. I wasn't moving forward in my career, but I was kind of stable where I was. Mm. So starting a new job to me was terrifying. And even once I do get the letter of offer, part of me kind of wishes that it wasn't really happening <laughs> because a whole lot about my, uh, about my life would have to change. Mm. Now, for the most part, every time I've taken that plunge has been a success. And mm. like you, I do feel confident in my work ethic and I do feel confident in my ability to, to talk to and meet people and make a good impression. Uh, but I know I'm, I'm pretty, pretty confident that I'm going to, I'm going to go to this new job and I'm going to do the best I can. And it's going to be, it's going to be great. And what a best it is. And what, oh, thank you. But, <laughs> but it's still trying to work out the hours and my scheduling and, and, you know, how many hours are they going to give me? How many hours can I take away from my other job? Am I going to be able to make ends meet? Am I going to be able to pay the bill? All that kind of stresses me out as well. 
well. I think any element of unknown, there is fear in that, like not knowing what's ahead of you. I think part of it is that it's a risk. Mm. You know, it's a plunge. You've got to not necessarily burn a bridge, but you've got to at least walk across the bridge. And sometimes it can't always go back. There's always that uh, risk of leaving a situation for a potential worse situation mm. and not knowing until it's too late. And you've, you've made that decision. But I don't think that it is a right or wrong decision. I think that with any risk or decision that you make, we've talked about this before, you do, you make the best decision with the information that you have at the time. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't, but it's always a learning opportunity. Yeah. And especially in my case, this step is a step towards my career, hopefully. Mm. It's a step I've got to take. Exactly. If I don't, what's the point of me even having my dreams or, or my aspirations for what I want to do in my life? And like the things that you're worrying about, maybe you don't even need to be worrying about them. Maybe just worry about it if it becomes a problem down the track. Like just be excited while, you know, you're going through this transition period. Just be excited for what's ahead of you because this is something that you've wanted for a long time. Maybe it doesn't look exactly how you wanted it to look, but it's a step towards that. It, it is. It is something I've been I've been looking for for a long time. I think part of the nerves or part of the, the reason I'm a bit apprehensive is is because you know I've finally been given the opportunity to succeed in what I really want to do and there's the potential that it might not work out especially considering it, it didn't work out for me the last time I had this situation mm. and not that I'm saying this is going to be the same but there's every potential that it could be yeah, but there's also every potential that it could be completely different as well. And it's going to be completely different. So yeah, I have a it's... feeling. I have a gut feeling. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah, I think so. I think all you can do is your best and take it as it comes. But at this point in time, I think all you should be feeling is excitement because it's a positive thing. It's a really great thing that's happening to you. And I don't want you to lose sight of that. It is. And thank you. No, I, I am excited. It's a mixture of excitement and nerves, you know, because I hate starting as a noob again. Mm. You know, I'm I'm, pers- I'm a person that really loves autonomy and I love being relied upon. Mm. I hate being the situ- in a situation where I'm, oh, I have to relearn everything or I have to, those first few months where I'm, I'm still not competent. Mm. that's the stage that I always dread. Right. You just can't not be the boss. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not, not exactly. I just don't want to be a, a hindrance. I have to, yeah, okay. I have aspirations, see, and I have yeah. to, I have to get there. And you will, but to get there, you need to go through that learning period. You can't just start off a prodigy. Well, pick for yourself. <laughs> well, have you had any bad experiences starting at a job before? Um, I want to say no. There was this one crappy job that I had that was like commission-based when I was still at uni. I don't want to talk about it. It was a dark chapter in my life. Okay, okay. Uh, we don't talk about that. Other than that, all my real jobs, no, they've been fine. I think so too. I, I had a, I remember I had a work, like a, a trial shift at a vet once and yeah. I really, I really stuffed up. Oh no. <laughs> this was way back in the day. <laughs> There's something about me where I can't stand, not blood, but blood tests. The way that blood comes out when it's a blood test and there's a little vial, it makes me weak in the head, let's say. Yeah, queasy. Faint. Faint, (laughs) yeah. And I remember they had this this little chihuahua that they were, (laughs) they were like... You know, the thing's just like lying there and they're giving it a drip and, and they had to put a catheter in and it was just, <laughs> I had to go and sit down in like the main lobby of the of the vet studio. You know, obviously I didn't get the job. That's their first test. They were just testing how, how, how squeamish, squeamish you could be. Well, 
that was a pretty bad experience. But ever since then, every new job I've had, I think, has been has been a good experience. Yeah. Sorry. Just back to the vet squeamish thing. How did they break the news to you? Were they like, sorry? No, I, at the end of the shift, I was like, so, you know, what do we do here? And she was basically like, well, look, you can always come in and volunteer. Uh, were you thinking that you would get it? No, not, no, at, not okay. at that point. Right. I don't know if I wanted to. Right, right, right. I went with Courtney once to get a blood taken and I had to leave the room. I was trying to be really, really brave for her because she doesn't like blood tests either. So I'm, I'm holding her hand and I'm like, and as soon as it was done, I had to like, I stumbled. I <laughs> the nurse, the nurse told like the receptionist to send someone to check on me because I was, <laughs> I almost knocked myself out on a door frame. So, so no, it's, it's pretty bad then. It wasn't just a chihuahua. <laughs> it is definitely a failing Aww. in my, in my head. Anyway, about new jobs. Um, I, I am excited and it, it's Good. a it's a new start um, and it's a, a new opportunity. And I think all jobs are, especially jobs that you're really looking forward to, they're, they're always exciting. I think leaving a, a situation you're not quite content or happy with has always got to be a positive step. Yeah. And I always think that trying is better than not trying. Yeah. Like at least you tried to improve. Yeah, well, you're exactly right. What's the point of not? Anyway. Exciting times. Very exciting. So when's your first day? Uh, this Saturday and Ooh, Sunday. Uh, you'll have the to uh, give us a quick update next time. I'll let everybody know <laughs> how it goes. Well, congratulations again. So, so, so happy for you. Thanks. I'm happy and excited and I look damn good in the uniform. <laughs> so Matt, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but um, <laughs> I I have two different colored eyes. What? <laughs> I know it's been a long time since I've seen you, Z, but I, I did notice. Yeah. It's a it's a condition called heterochromia. Very groovy mutation. It's groovy as an adult, not groovy when you're a small child at school. Oh, really? Mm. So I, I kind of forget that I have it because it's just something that you've had your whole life. It's like a birthmark. You don't really think about it. And then you're only reminded about it when you meet new people. Mm-hmm. But I realize it is quite an uncommon trait. It's one in 10,000, if you didn't know. I didn't know. Uh, and so... You're the only one I know that has it. Ooh. Apart from huskies. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> villains in movies. And villains in movies. <laughs> and David Bowie. Actually, David Bowie doesn't have it. On to that in a second. Oh, my God. I know. But yeah, I thought, it's you know, it's not very common. Maybe we could just talk about it, what it's like. You could ask questions if you have any, and uh, we could unwrap that topic. Have have you ever met someone with heterochromia? Yeah, but it was like, she's like, oh, look, I have it too. And it was green and hazel. You have to like look carefully to see it. It's a cop out. Yeah. I mean, like they, they were different. They were different. But, you know, not, not immediately noticeable. Yeah. Um, David Bowie, no, he does not have heterochromia. He was born in blue eyes. He got into a fight when he was young and his eye was permanently dilated. So the brown eye is actually just, yeah, his pupil permanently dilated. Bloody hell. Mm. I think people don't realize that like pretty much everyone I've met who's noticed has said the same thing. It's very rare for me to meet someone who notices them and says something that I don't expect or that I haven't heard before. So the most common one is people come up to me and they say, you have two different colored eyes. I'm like, then you say, yes. What? Yeah. <laughs> and you immediately go to find a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I get it. It is uncommon and you're just voicing what you observe, but that is the most common reaction. Mm. 
there are two people who have said something that have surprised me. One was a guy said, oh, cool, you have David Bowie eyes. And then I had to correct him about the <laughs> David Bowie thing. And another one was a, a, a security guard at Officeworks. And I was asking him what aisle something was in. He told me, aisle four. And he goes, sick eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved that. I was like, thank you, you know different how often like what percentage of people comment on your eyes it's daily daily out of like every 10 people you meet how many people do you think would say something new people that i meet that i actually interact with yeah 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 not just walking past somebody i would say 6.5 out of 10 (laughs) 6.5 yeah and i always forget that i have it because you know, you don't think about it. And then you meet someone new and they mention it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I do. I do have that thing. Like, <laughs> I forget. Because I, I, I don't see me as often as other people see me. Sure. And when you do, you don't you don't look at yourself and go, oh, yeah, that's right. Exactly. But I hate, one thing I hate is, I mentioned it earlier, that all the supervillains in movies have it. They're like big movies, like big blockbuster movies. And I'm like, if someone's watching this, they're going to think of me and associate me with the supervillain. And I hate it. Okay, but it's only because they want the the villains to be memorable and to have a distinctive quality. Is it a bad thing for you to be memorable with a distinctive quality, Z? When the supervillain is, like, scary and weird. Okay, you're not scary. (laughs) You couldn't be scary if you wanted to. Uh, Ah, shucks. uh, So, I mean, yeah, that's my general overview of what it's like. So you've told me before, you've told me that you feel like it's your defining quality. So a lot of people only remember you as the person with the two different color eyes. Yes. And I hate that. That's, right. that's still the case. I understand that it is the most obvious thing to remember me by. Oh, Sarah, the one with the two different colored eyes. But I hate that it's something that I have no control over. Like I have just been born with this and I'm known by something that I cannot control or have not done anything to earn. I would love to be known as Zara, the funny one, Zara, the smart one. Yeah, but I think you are known as those things. Your eyes are just a descriptive term. Same as saying, oh, Matt, he's the one of the... The syphilis head. The syphilis head. (laughs) That was a joke we made on the last episode. Uh, Um, yeah, that's a good example. I guess. And it, I'll take it, you know. It doesn't define you as a person. It, it isn't, it doesn't describe your personality. It's just, it's literally just a description and it's the easiest way, unfortunately, it is the easiest way to describe you. The thing that stands out from you among 10,000 other people. Mm. And that's fair. It's and I'll take it. you and the supervillains. And Marilyn Manson. And Marilyn Manson. <laughs> so is, is he legit? No, he has a contact lens. They're all fake. They're all fake. You're the only legitimate. <laughs> There's actually a Facebook group um, of people with this condition. It's like two or 3,000 people around the world. Yeah, yeah. If I join it, would they kick me out? Oh, I I think you have to get accepted (laughs) into it. Yeah. And all people do is post their photos and everyone's just like, oh my gosh, amazing. So beautiful. Show stopping. I get it. I can see you going for that. Yeah. (laughs) Anytime I have a bad day, post my photo photo. up on there and just like... (laughs) Okay, so you mentioned that it was difficult in school. Mm. Why is that? Were you bullied? I I think so. Like, honestly, I have no specific recollections of, like, a specific time that someone bullied me because of it. But I definitely was bullied. And I feel like, in retrospect, it was because I was different. Mm. But I don't remember anyone saying, oh, you're the two different colored eyed freak or anything like that. But I was bullied. It might have been because of a number of reasons. But I feel like it made me a target. 
And obviously you've retained that kind of negative connotation about your eyes in school somehow, somewhere. Look, I like that it has made me someone who is used to striking conversations with people randomly. Like it's a good conversation starter. Therefore, I'm very comfortable talking to people that I've never met before. But it was tough. Childhood was tough. Do you wish you could get rid of your eyes or like have have eyes that are the same color? So when I was like 11, I really wanted to get rid of them. So my mom took me to an optometrist to get contact lenses to see what that would be like. Right. So they put a brown contact lens in on the blue eye. But I don't know if you know, contact lenses are like cellophane in that they're a color, but the color underneath still matters. So they put a brown contact on the blue eye. It turns into a light brown. So it still looked like two different colored eyes, a dark brown and a light brown eye. It would have been such a shame. Mm. I mean, yeah, you were you were teased and you were different, but you being different is what makes you so amazing now. I agree that the struggles ended up benefiting me in the long run, but it was hard. Do you see yourself as the girl of heterochromia? Like, does it define you from your own point of view? Not to me personally, no. I know that it does to other people. And maybe I'll like play on it when I meet new people if I know that it will get a reaction. But to me, no, that's not one of the pillars that I define myself by. From knowing people that have met you or mm. introducing people to you, mm. I will admit, yeah, a lot of them say, oh, Zara, the one of the two different cover eyes. But it's never the defining quality that they remember about you. You know, it's it's always how much fun you were to hang around over, how, how enjoyable your company was. That's nice. Oh, I just love that. I, I would love if everyone felt that way. I think most of them do. I think mm. all of them do. I think we, we live in a tolerant enough world that you can have amazingly different colored eyes <laughs> and people aren't going to judge you for it. Yeah. It's a pity I couldn't talk to eight-year-old Zara. <laughs> <laughs> Tell her that everything Tell her everything's going to be okay. okay. Contact lenses are going to come up far away. Yeah. One, day, <laughs> one day you'll be able to tattoo your eyeball. <laughs> I wouldn't, I couldn't do the contact lensing anyway, because the optometrist put it in my eye and it just felt like, I don't know if you've ever worn contact. I haven't, but I feel like it'd be oh, so uncomfortable. It felt like there was something in my eye, like oh. a hair or like a fly in my eye. And I was just like, winking with that one eye. Maybe, yeah, I, yeah. I have never tried one, but I feel like there'd be yeah, really Yeah, I couldn't do it. I actually couldn't do it. Even in my adult life, I couldn't. Well, you don't need to. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> my pleasure. It's beautiful. <laughs> Well, hopefully that gives you a little bit of an insight into uh, life with heterochromia. Thank you for sharing, Z. No worries. So this week for Matt's Geekly Weekly Not So Weekly segment, <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking about something that I feel like, Z, is not going to be necessarily up your alley. That's okay. But during lockdown and COVID, I've spent a good deal of time gaming because what else are we going to do a lot of us have resorted to either spending time doing healthy hobbies um and improving themselves or sitting in front of a television like myself <laughs> and i'm wasting many many hours away trying to forget the, the the horrors of the actual real world so i thought i would just do like a quick fire round yeah of a bunch of games that i've been playing some people may have heard of some people maybe not just my thoughts on a few games we played nice um, let's and- hear it Z, you will play the role of the every man or woman. Yes, the layperson. The layperson boomer. The layperson boomer. <laughs> um, so if you have any questions, please go ahead. I will. Um, so the first game I want to talk about is Subnautica 2. So Can um, I just say, this reminds me of two words, submarine and like nautical. Is it a water one? It is a water Ooh, one. Ooh, okay, yes, continue. So you're very, very close. Subnautica, the original one, 
Um, in fact, in both games, your character crash lands on a planet which is mostly water. And you've got to explore and hunt and feed and craft and survive and escape the planet. In the second one, you're, you're looking for your sister who went missing on the planet. So I played the first one and it's a solid game. Very, very good. I really loved it. Is it a console or a PC? Uh, both. You can play it on both. I played it on Xbox One. And I jumped into the second game, very, very keen. Um, I spent money on it, and then just a week after that, it came to the Game Pass, which means I could have played it for free. Annoying. But um, <laughs> anyway, jumped into the second one. So in the second one, there's ice. There's there's lots of icebergs and things. There's penguins. There's, there's new monsters. There's basically, yes. Now, my thoughts on the game, it was kind of disappointing. So, uh. so the first one I really loved. So basically, the whole concept of the first one is you've got limited supplies. You've got limited oxygen. You've got to build something to go this far down because that's where your next clue is. And then you've got to build something to go over here where there's height. So the story is progressing as you're unlocking the next things to create. And it's mm-hmm. all about crafting. So you, you have to pick up a certain number of gold to craft this, to craft this, to craft a submarine. You know, it's all about crafting and and hunting to survive. Okay. So the second one is kind of like that. I mean, the concept's the same. They even use, reuse a whole bunch of assets, um, but the map is a lot smaller. The story is just not as intriguing and interesting. And it's the beautifully created plot threads of the first one, not so much in the second one. I had to look up a guide several times in order to know where to go because it just wouldn't explain itself properly or I reached the end of a quest line and I didn't even know it. Kind of sloppy. Mm, they were just milking the gravy train from the last one. It's possible. The first one was quite a big hit. <laughs> the, my biggest disappointment was the frame rate, which if you don't know Z is, is, is when basically frames per second. Mm-hmm. So it's how smooth, you know, how smoothly the game is running. Um, so it dropped pretty significantly while I was playing it. And even traveling through the water, which is something you'd have to do quite often, the frame rates dropped so low that I could barely react to anything or move at all. So I spent the last several hours of the game just really wanting to get it done because I just could not play it. Really annoying. I think if you're looking for a Subnautica game to play, play the first one. Second one wouldn't go there. Classic sequel. Not as good as the original. Classic sequel, not as good as you. Mm. I think you're right, Z. They were, and it, it's more like an expansion than a sequel. Mm. It feels more like an expansion. It too much of it is just reused assets. So, um, if I'm doing reviews, I'd probably give it a five out of ten. I had some fun with it, but compared to the first, a bit of a flop. Mm. Good to know. I'll uh, uh, remove that one from the cart. Yeah, no, please, <laughs> please don't bother playing it. Don't make that the first game you play, Z. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, what's the next one? Uh, next game I played is called Spiritfarer. Okay. So this one's a bit more obscure, a bit more of an indie game. Okay. So in Spiritfarer, you are the new ferryman, ferrying the souls of the dead to the afterlife. Ferryman. Ferryman. F-E-R-R-Y. Oh. <laughs> you, know, you know Charon in like Greek mythology? He ferries the, the souls it. down the river Styx. I, I thought you meant F-A-I-R-Y. <laughs> <laughs> No, but close. Different game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Got it. You're, basically, your character becomes a new spirit fairer, it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're creating a massive boat and you're ferrying souls to the afterlife. Okay. So you're 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 sailing around this open sea, collecting souls and kind of completing their, their final things to make them ready to pass on. And it sounds like a real grim game, but it's it's actually very lighthearted. They, well, all these spirits in the spirit world take on animal appearances. Okay. And it's all very very bright. It's a pretty chill game. Basically, it's a it's a management sim. So you're like kind of like your Farmville or your Stardew Valleys. You're just growing crops and you're creating things. You're chopping down trees to create more things to craft more things. Animal Crossing. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> it bears similarities to Animal <laughs> the Crossing. The one game that I've played. It. <laughs> 
It, it bears similarities for sure. Okay. You create basically a floating village of sorts. All these spirits are people that your character knew in life. So her uncle is one of them and her friend and her this and her that. And once they're ready or they've, they've completed their final thing, they, um, they pass on and they can pass on to the afterlife. And the reason I want to highlight this game is it's pretty simple in its premise and its gameplay, but it's really quite touching and heartwarming and, and actually made me quite close to tears quite a few times because it, it really examines not just what it means to, to be ready to die and to ready to pass on, but it examines what you leave behind in life and the regret. So there's a lot of faff, don't get me wrong. The game is mostly sailing around fishing and <laughs> cutting down trees and growing crops and things. Yeah. But every time I took one of these souls to the, the Empador, it's called, where mm-hmm. they pass on to the next world, um, it was a very memorable, touching moment. And it wasn't until um, the end of the game, you find out that your character too is is actually at her deathbed in the real world in a hospital dying and then you've got to take yourself to the end and it's quite honestly see, it's quite touching but what was touching about it just the act of doing it itself or do the characters say things that the characters say things. okay right, right so right. for example there's this this old lady who i think was your neighbor in life uh-huh. um and over the time of of just being on your boat she starts like losing a memory and and staying outside past dark and and thinking of you as her her daughter you know and she starts forgetting what she said and repeating herself and realizing that she's struggling um and she just decides i'm I'm done I've, i've lived too long and there's another couple this this woman and a man and she's looking for a husband who's cheated on her and you find the husband, and he comes on the boat, and he makes this big show and dance about always being truthful to her. And then partway through, one of his missions is you collect all this, this stuff, flowers and chocolates, and he's giving him to another woman. He's cheating on her again. Mm. She, she kicks him out. He decides to go through the other door and passes on. And then she goes as well. You know, she still loves him, but it's stuff like that. It's a, it's a really colorful, friendly game, but explores some pretty sad, deep themes. Dark, yeah. Which I quite like. So pretty good, Spirit Pharaoh. I'd probably give it a seven and a half. Nice. Final game. Yeah. It's a big one. Okay. I don't think you would have heard of it though, uh, but it's called Hollow Knight. It's a world based in a, based in the bugs. That's why they're. Oh. Hollow Knight's a massive game. So it's very well known. It's a, isn't it in the game. It's been out for quite a while. So I've just gotten on top of it because it's always kind of be there in the back of my mind to play. Um, and I haven't finished it yet at the time of this recording, but I'm probably about 75% through the game. So I feel like I know the gist of it. It's a 2D side-scrolling kind of Metrovania type game, which means that you have an open world map, but you're only allowed to access certain areas with the abilities you have. And then you you beat bosses and then you unlock new abilities and you can go further and explore mm. further. Yeah. So there's no real way you're meant to explore this world. The only limitations are the abilities you have. So you kind of explore at your own pace and the story kind of exposes itself to you at its own pace as well. Are you a bug in the game? <laughs> yes, you're a bug. Okay. So the whole world is, is based on bug. You're in a place called Hollow, Hollow Nest, which used to be this big bug city. Um, but now there was a, a virus and everything's infected and gross and disgusting. And now the world's really bleak and shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't really know who you are or where you came from. You just uh, They just call you the knight. You're not even the Hollow Knight. The Hollow Knight was a, a champion that laid down their lives many years ago to save the world once upon a time. You're okay. just the knight. 
You're a little, you're a little cute little bug guy. And you don't, you, we don't know what the end point of this game is. Like, what's not yet. In okay. fact, the story itself is quite unclear. Okay. It's it's only put together through little bits and bobs. And I know there's videos online about people deep diving into the analysis of the lore of Hollow Knight. Uh-huh. Uh, but I haven't quite got there yet. I don't want any real spoilers. I'm just trying to experience it. Look, solid game. It's been a long time coming. I know it, it's kind of been on my peripherals for a long time. Sorry, is it vague in a good? cool mysterious way or in an annoying way probably in a good cool mysterious way okay. I, I don't think the story is as important as the experience okay yeah the experience of the game itself i think is the highlight here the story is secondary i don't really know what i'm meant to be doing i'm just enjoying exploring and, and finding out more and more and overcoming the obstacles presented to me got it um so i'm really enjoying it generally quite addicted um in fact i have to like ration myself and <laughs> Not play it like after dinner because I know I won't get enough sleep. Very much enjoying it. I'd probably give Hollow Knight a nine out of ten. Ooh, the best one so far. It's really, really good. Mm. If you like those sort of games, it is pretty hard. I played Spirit Fair because I wanted a pretty chill, easy game. There's no way to fail, no way to die. It's it's just a chill game. Mm. Hollow Knight is kind of the opposite. It's not not like that hard, but it is definitely challenging. And that's uh that's my quick fire review round. I love it. I learned so much. <laughs> okay, let's do a quiz. Yeah, quizzing. <laughs> How many Subnautica games are there? Two. The what, second one is crap. The second one is crap. Um, what what's the goal of Spirit Pharaoh? To take the the souls to the door, and then ultimately you find out that you are also dead, and you have to take your own soul to the door at the end. Uh, what's the great city of bugs called in Hollow Knight? Nest. Hollow Nest. Very good. All right, three out of three. Gold star for you. <laughs> See, I'm listening. Uh, so, yeah, that's, um, if you, I play a few a few games. I got a few more on the radar. Just, um, I bought God of War for $12, Z. Is that good? I hope so. I think it's, <laughs> I mean, it's very, very good. It's been on a lot of, like, top game of the year award kind of charts, so. Where do you get it for $12, though? On the online store. Oh, nice. The PlayStation store. It's old, though. It's oh, a couple okay. of years old. Like, right. I'm getting into these games old. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Hollow Knight's been out for, like, a few years, so, right. so it's Go to War. Uh, but that's next, after Hollow Knight. So if you're interested in more of my, my reviews, uh, let me know. I can do another another segment. Yeah, come find us on Instagram, at Acceptable Company, and write to us in listener mail and let us know if you'd like to hear more. Our first Acceptable, or not, for this episode comes from yours truly. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about it. You know how I just hate, I just hate when people are late to things yeah like if you agree on a time oh i know <laughs> I, trust me i know if you agree on a time just be there at the time that you said do you <sighs> remember <laughs> it's a bit of a tangent but for one of your birthdays you wanted people to roast you yes do you remember that yes this was going to be one of my my main roasting points your inability to accept people's tardiness i hate it this is something that i've <laughs> yeah I've, I've known and been terrified about z for terrified. a long time look i won't outwardly express it if i express it outwardly it's going to be in a haha joking way but inside i'm seething i know what i don't get is and here's my acceptable in that situation if you're going to be late you know you're going to be late earlier so just say it like you know half an hour earlier hey i think i'll be there maybe 15 minutes late don't say when I'm already sitting at the venue at the agreed time, oh, I'm running late. I'll be there in 20 minutes or whatever. So I hate the fact that you could have said it earlier and I could have not wasted my time waiting around. I could have done my own thing. Not rush to get there on time. Exactly. So saying that you'll be late to the person or people that you're meeting on or after the agreed meeting time, acceptable or not. 
It's a very specific scenario you're describing here. But common. Specific but common. You think so? Oh, yeah, I think you're right. I do. I have recollections of flooding back to me. Yes. I think off the bat, yeah, it's unacceptable. It kind of depends on the venue though, right? Mm -hmm. What if it's a party and there are other guests there? Mm -hmm. You know, the party started at 7, you're hanging out with a bunch of friends and then you get a text from me saying, oh, I'm on my way, I'll be 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. I don't care. If I'm with other people, if I'm not waiting, twiddling my thumbs, I don't care. Exactly. If, If it's a restaurant, okay, if it's a date, or something like that. What's something like that? You mean a one-on-one situation? One-on-one situation yeah. where you've you've made a specific time booking. Yeah. Then, yeah, 100% unacceptable. What if it's just like a meeting to go do some shopping together? So there's no time, like you haven't bought a ticket to anything. It doesn't really matter in the scheme of things. But if you've said, if you've agreed upon a meetup time. Yes. And it's only you two doing it. Yes. Then yeah, you, you could have let them know beforehand. Yes. But is there any scenario where that is, I'm not talking about like a car accident or something extreme. No. What if this person has a kid and they just were running wild and so she's running 15 minutes late? But I still think you know before the time if you're going to be running late. 100% if you haven't left home. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's 5-2. Yeah, I hate it when people are like, oh, I meant to be meeting them now. Oh, better tell them I'm late. Assuming that that person is not sitting there waiting for you. Like if it's 7 o'clock and you're meant to meet at 7, that other person is probably already there and waiting. Yeah. So we both agree not acceptable on if you're going to tell them on the dot that you're going to be late. What is the acceptable notice period or lead time for you to let them know? So if you if you get a message five minutes before seven, for example, yeah, and they said, sorry, I'm running late, I'll yeah. be there in 20 minutes, mm. does that make it better? I don't love it. Um, it depends on what it is. If it's like a shopping center or somewhere where I can walk around and do my own thing, fine. If it's... Like a nighttime walk and you're standing in the bush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so let's paint this picture, right? Yeah. You're meeting at, let's say, 9 a.m. Yeah. It's 8.30. They say, okay, look, I'm sorry, I'm going to be an hour late. Okay, so half an hour beforehand? Half an hour beforehand. Or mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. say at 5.2, mm. I'm going to be 35 minutes late. So they're still going to be there at the same time, but they've given you five minutes notice in one scenario and half an hour's notice in the other scenario. Half an hour's notice, 100%. Because I haven't got there yet in half an hour. So I might still be halfway there, but now I know I can do my own thing and not rush myself to make sure I get there in time as well. Mm -hmm. So what's the acceptable cutoff point? It all depends on how long it takes you to prepare. Yeah. And if I'm already there or not. I agree. Five minutes too, you're probably already there and you've wasted half an hour of your life waiting. Yeah. I think, I think 15 minutes before the time is okay. Because then off. you can be like, okay, they're leaving home now. They've realized, you know, 15 minutes is acceptable. Okay. I think 15 minutes is fine. Would you allow less? Uh, I think I'm more tolerant you about are. this than you are. <laughs> I still wouldn't like it if I'm already somewhere and someone's like, oh, sorry, mate, I'll be half an hour. Mm. But I don't know what the acceptable cutoff point is. Just um, as much notice as possible. I yeah. Suppose. Just be considerate of the other person. So, not acceptable, yeah? <laughs> yeah, no. Flat out. So, everyone agrees, not acceptable. Flat out, not acceptable. <laughs> 15 minutes is to cut off. The next acceptable or not comes from Stella in Marsden Park. Stella, thank you very, very much, Stella. Thank you. 
She's asked, announcing a baby's name before it's born. So she saw on social media someone was pregnant, about to give birth, they announced the name, they're calling it by the name, and they're like, they've set up the nursery with, you know, a sign of the baby's name. See, so when I first heard this, I was straight away on the not acceptable bandwagon. Why is that? Because originally I thought that you're jumping the gun, but then I thought about it and no, why is it not? It's acceptable. People have baby names picked out already, you know, even if they're not pregnant. If you've got a kid in your tummy and you already know if it's a male or a female, why not name it? That's okay. Look, you're kidding if you don't think mothers-to-be don't have names picked out even before they get pregnant. Mm. Some people are, not necessarily me, but some people are of the belief that like, oh, you know, we have two or three names picked out, but then we won't name it until the baby comes out. Because what if we have a name picked out and it comes out and we think it doesn't look like that name? I think that's a pretty good way to do it. Mm. I think that all babies look the same though. They're all gonna change. You yeah, don't really I don't. Know. I never look at a baby and go, "Yeah, you're you're Harry for sure." Yeah, <laughs> Rudiger. Rudiger. <laughs> I don't think there's any wrong, right or wrong here. Mm. It's your kid. It's what you want to call them, how you want to call it, it's fine. There are far worse crimes when it comes to baby names and naming them before they're born. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I've seen plenty of posts where they're like, oh, little Esther, I can't wait to meet you. And they got a photo of like the dad snuggling the mom's belly. Yeah, I agree. Um, Your child, your choice. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's acceptable. But, well, no, it, it was going to go dark. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> go there. I don't want to go there. Oh, yeah, let's keep it light. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, if you want to have a name picked out and you're ready to name them instantly, yeah. then... And you can be excited about it as well. That's probably yeah, the reason. It makes it more real for some people, probably. Yeah. Or maybe they're doing that thing that we were talking about, racing someone else to... To get the name. Yeah, to, to get the to, name. To claim the name beforehand. <laughs> even, like, having a name picked out before you're even pregnant, I think is a bit odd, but plenty of people do it. Yeah, I've done it. What? I, like, I have a hypothetical name that I would choose. Yeah, I do too, but everyone I've talked to doesn't like my name. Ah, I don't think I've heard it. Are you going to share it and and risk someone else stealing it? No one's going to steal it because nobody likes it. Okay. I want to name a boy. I always thought Max was a nice name. Oh, yeah. I have a vacuum named Max. (laughs) Max the Vax. Max the Vax. So, you know, a lot of people just know that one. And I, I think Link, as in like the Legend of Zelda Link. Yeah, yeah. I think Link's a really cool name. Thus, he comes from a really cool source. When I die, I can he can inherit my big Link statue. Mm. Um, but yeah, a lot of people nope that one too. Uh, it's fine. I like unique names. That I just cool. Yeah. You know, Robin Williams named his daughter Zelda. Yeah, he did. He did. But that's a name. Link is like, it reminds me of like hyperlink or like chains. Surely Link is a name. I've never met a Link, but I'm sure there's links out there. Well, uh, the wind ring bearer on Captain Planet, her name is Linka. Yeah, they're my names, but you know, I'm not that I'm not that fussed to be honest. Mm, fair enough. Rudiger it is. Rudiger. <laughs> Alrighty guys. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thank you once again for joining us. It was lovely to have you. Lovely to speak to you, Z. Lovely to speak to you too, and I look forward to next time. Bye.